Blog Talk Radio.
Well, good morning. It is another Sunday morning in the Word where we study the Word of God systematically. I am excited to be on the broadcast today. We have a lot of information to cover, and I don't have a lot of time, but I do want to share that it's imperative that in the last three Sundays you go back over the um, foundational teaching of this message so that way you can uh, build on. This is a little more extensive study than um, in previous years on uh, Sunday mornings in the Word and even the broadcast. So the Lord told me to minister to a different audience. Those, um, This particular audience is geared for those who are in the church, who have been in the church, and, you know, are really seeking for what's next because they know that something is not just quite the same. And so I'm I'm actually extending the, the, the series is a little more in-depth. So there's about 12, 12 in, in each uh, 12 components because I have five points and I'm doing a lesson on each of the five points. So um, so it's a little more extensive than the normal, but I just want you to flow with me because I believe that this year as we talk about this rethinking church, you're going to have a very, a very special uh, release in in the – in the spirit for your edification, for your building up, Amen. And so, um, I'm going to I'm going to address the church today in this lesson. This is an apostolic address or an appeal to the church, um, but I believe that anybody can, can can get involved. But like I said, if you have not listened to the other teachings, you're doing yourself a disservice. And we have that access to where you can go back to those teachings and listen to it so that way you can get up to where we are today because I'm not going to uh, – I'm going to build on each time to the um, the previous knowledge that we have received. Well, let's pray and um, get involved in today's discussion. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth, it is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide, giving me the clear articulation of speech and the uh, deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I do say have your way. Do what only you can do. Allow the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Rethink Church begins with our reforming perception to power. And it's, in, it's not until we experience that power in our perception where church will really take a full effect in our life. There is a form of godliness, and the way the form of godliness functions, hallelujah, is as a result of of there being a denial of power. Y'all ever read that scripture? 
having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof? Ain't that a powerful concept? That you can actually have a place where you emulate God. You think you are at least. But because there's a denial to power, right? That's found in Second Timothy three five. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You get what I'm saying? The the scripture says in verse four of that chapter, and this is it says he said, Well, let's read it. This know also that in the last perilous times in the last days perilous perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, you notice the last days. And, and saints will tell you, these are the last of the last days. They're, they're covetous. They're boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Plug in. Y'all need to get the series, Higher <laughs> Learning Concerning Holiness, without natural affection. Ain't that the truth? Truce makers false accusers, incontinent, fierce, dicerous of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers lovers of God. And then it says this, having a form of godliness. Now, now, to make the list even even more uh, hateful and heated, he said, they do this all with the disguise of, of being in the church. Mm. But denying the power thereof. So it's not until we really reform our perception to power that we can as the, embody the reality and the revelation of the church. And, of course, we are really building off of the foundation which we started in Matthew 16 and um, Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was a revelation that Peter had in observing Jesus that he was the Son of the Living God. What I walked around with for two and a half years at this point, this man performing miracles and interacting, what I witnessed about him was that he was identified with God. He was carrying what God wanted. He was carrying what God needed in the earth. And and and, and upon that is what would be the catalyst to to found the conviction and the power that that would be. That identity, that which you've seen beyond my flesh. See, you couldn't, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. But you received it from my father. So that which could not be looked upon me based on my flesh, but based on my heart and my convictions, that would be which, which would be that which I would build my church. So motive is everything to God. The motive behind the matter means more to him than the matter. Mm. So we have to reform our perception to power. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. You are what you think. And a reason why a lot of people have a hard time, no glory to God, 
in church is because they really aren't the church. Go to Romans chapter 12. I was provoked, and and you can subtitle today, we're we're still in reformer perception of power, but our our subtitle today is Revelation as a Catalyst. Because often, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into this. Somebody got to see bigger than you. And it's amazing how we can look in the same scriptures that were preserved and written thousands of years ago, and, and many of us don't see the same thing. And there are reasons as to why that is, and I want to explain that a little bit in this lesson. Um, But I also want to reaffirm some of the things that we've covered in the last two lessons that kind of uh, conclude the introduction, because we're going to we're going to reform our perception through um, to power through revelation. And then we're going to engage in the church into a whole other dimension. Okay. And I don't want to. I don't want to give you like you know. I hear preachers all the time. We're going to do this, and by the time you leave this message, you're going to be uh, a millionaire. No, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to do that. But I want to make certain that you are aware that this is a progressive teaching that really involves you to put your thinking on, to use your brain. See, a lot of people, they're used to, you know, uh, Mary had a little lamb. We are not talking about Mary's little lamb. We are talking about a resurrected Christ that restores us to a seat of power through and by the precious um, uh, reality of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what enables us to live the Christian life. And if it enables us to live the Christian life, it is it is he that will translate what is real in life. So we need to see this revelation. Now, let me give you some notes on revelation, because I think it's important that we understand what revelation is. And we find yourself in Romans chapter 12, our foundation teaching. Revelations are hidden truths uh, released by the permissive will of God. They're hidden truths released by the permissive will of God. Revelations number two is not merely a comprehension of the truth, but a manifestation of the spirit. This is what this is what releases divine wisdom and and and, and divine understanding and divine knowledge. So it's not merely comprehension of truth, but it's the manifestation of the spirit. Revelations are often seen in profound riddles. So often when a person has a revelation, they have to decode it, which is said to be interpreted. So the reason why God gives you a revelation, who do men say that I am? Now, who do you say that I am? You get what I'm saying? This is a, this is a question, and generally revelations are sparked from questions and, and observations and uh, interpretations and, you know, you know contemplations and and. Anyway, I can go on with that. Y'all know I'm the Asian king. So, um, but Revelation is 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 often seen in profound riddles. But they must. But it is is because anything that must be manifested must be also magnified, or it must have, it must be in a place where where you understand the importance of why it's being manifested. Okay, so Revelation on on a matter is directly man's authority in a matter. And it can never be duplicated. So God wouldn't give you revelation on a matter that doesn't affect you. 
For instance, God has given me a revelation on the church. Well, that's because I'm called to the church as an authority in the church. If you're not called into that office, it would be a waste of his time giving you information on stuff that you cannot use that does not pertain to you. Now, that that then leaves the question, does he withhold uh, good things from them that ask? No, you can't ask God for things, and, and he can give you things that don't pertain to to you, but it, it it would behoove you to get those things that pertain to you, you know. But that goes back into your personal relationship with God, and it is out of the overflow of your relationship with God that you receive revelation from God. All right, so revelation on a matter directly merits authority in a matter, which can never be duplicated. Revelations are solely spiritual, and you must look into a high form of reverence towards the roles and rights and responsibilities that the Holy Spirit can trust you with. Because if the Holy Spirit can't trust you with the revelation of, of, of behind a situation, why would he manifest things that you, he know you're not going to succeed in? He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. Right? Now, so when we when we talk about revelation, we are talking a bigger a, a bigger picture than just being able to solve a a, a, a trite question as who do men say that I am. You know what I'm saying? Because we say, oh, you know, upon that, just him knowing who Jesus was was the reason. No. What 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 had to come to be? Now, first of all, Jesus wasn't going around revealing who he really was in the first place, and he, and even in those displays of miracles and powers, he would tell people, "Don't even tell people what was done to you, because this the hour hasn't come to where you know this is acceptable." So the the the, the revolution that took place in Jesus's ministry uh, prior to the church being established was on the run. They were they were running, you know, they weren't really trying to, uh, they weren't flamboyant about the power that they possessed. Which brings us back to Romans chapter 12 as our foundational passage. And I think, you know, for years I've heard many preachers and scholars deal with Romans chapter 12 on, on, a, on a basic level saying, you know, no longer conform to the ways of the world. Well, who is he talking to? He's talking to the church, and then with the, the you know the higher powers speech in thirteen, you would think that you know the higher powers are people that are outside of the church that you give regard to. No, he's talking about the people in the church. This is an address to the church, and of course, the the church to the church at Rome is how the book opens up. So the commentary and the con the conversation is not to someone outside the church. It's, it's to the church itself. Paul's greatest work is placed among the first 13 epistles of the New Testament. Romans explores the significance of, of, of Christ's sacrificial death using the question and answer format, which is a, a systematic doctrinal presentation. So listen, this, the manuscript, although the manuscripts omit in Rome, the title Pros Romanus to, Rome, to the Romans, has been associated with the epistle almost from the beginning. So Paul, a servant uh, of Jesus Christ, called to be the apostle, separated unto the to the gospel of God, which is promised 
by the prophets and the Holy Spirit concerning his son Jesus Christ, which is made a seed of David according to the flesh, declared to the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience of the faith among all nations, among those. That's in verse, I'm just reading you through um, uh, chapter 1. And verse 7, it says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be the saints, grace and peace be multiplied by the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you, and your, your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. So when I tell you that it was an elite system, well, first of all, you know the Roman Empire was one of the strongest empires in the world. So he's speaking to the saints in that empire. It was an elite church that he was talking to. And he had heard of their faith, and as a result of hurting to their faith, he wanted to answer questions that were pertaining to the circumstances that were going on in that church. So in chapter 12, he don't go off into a tangent and start speaking outside of, 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 to a worldly audience. But he's saying if you're in the church, you don't conform to the ways of the world, but you renew uh, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is the renewing of your mind that is the catalyst of the transformation that enables you to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. So he's still speaking to the church. And, the re of course, the renewal of the mind reflects on the revelation in which we carry. Well, why, why do we have renewal of mind? Because we've had an encounter in the mind. Motive is everything to God. You are what you think. And and it's not and 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 when per, when a person struggles with their identity, glory to God, and they struggle with what they are as the church, it, it's as a result of them not having this experience of transformation. Now, let me give you my first point. Revelation is what awakens the spirit over the soul. The natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. That's Corinthians, right? So you naturally cannot, of course, you know you have a soul, you have an intellect, emotions, you have a, a mindset, you have characteristics uh, uh, that you shape from those things, which is called convictions and a conscience. All of those things play into how you exist. But when revelation comes, that question, that that circumstance that requires you to look within, uh, within for deeper meaning. That's what what Jesus was provoking through those questions. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It is those introspections that provoke a deeper meaning, deeper insights. That's the revelation component that awakens. Am I really seeing what I'm supposed to see? Am I really experiencing what I'm supposed to experience? Revelation really then becomes the rethinking factor. See, if he can't, and of course you know, and I've heard churches say this for years, don't use your mind like your mind is hostile to God. No, we have the mind of Christ. So if God has given us the mind of Christ, Philippians, y'all know the word, uh, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. He says, and, I, and then in chapter 3 of Philippians, he said, I, I, listen, go to 
pull up this chapter three right quick. This ain't in my notes, but this is good enough for us to 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 uh to to do a little deviation. Cause see, see when we talk about revelation as a catalyst, if you don't got if give God your mind, never of course your mind don't make the mind the devil. You know, like you're using your brain and making a, a decision with your brain engaged in the matter is is hostile against God. Like faith denies you from using your brain. That's retarded. So, I mean, there's something is wrong. But your, uh, the, the mind is not the devil. No, but what happens is when you allow the spirit of God to take place and 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 take evidence uh, a residence in your in your t- in your body. It, it awakens the, the superiority of a mind engaged in God. So it doesn't conflict, it, it, it convicts. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Convicts, convert, converts, and convicts. Convicts, convicts, converts. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, well, we don't have time to go to um, Philippians 3, but you know Philippians 3, 4 lets you know that um, it is he that causes us both to will and do his good pleasure. So he is working in our mind, uh, um, and that's what I wanted to prove to you. And, of course, of course, in um, Philippians chapter 4, you can do all things through Christ, of course, that strengthens you, but you can do that because you have the mind of Christ. And so, the, and then, of course, we're not to conform to the ways of the world, but we're transformed by the renewal of the mind. So when the mind is not engaged and when the mind is engaged in the things of God, it is renewal. And and it is that rethinking factor that provokes and awakens um the the reality of us as the church through revelation. So revelation is the catalyst. And revelation is the catalyst. And that's what I wrote as the point number one. Revelation becomes the catalyst to experiencing the fulfillment of what it means to be the church. So when we are awakened in the spirit, we find relevance to the truth. We find relevance to the truth. And when we are awakened in the spirit, we find the real factor that becomes uh, what provokes us to being so much um, uh, being aware that there is so much more. So not only are we provoked to the truth, but we also awaken that there is so much more than what we're experiencing. Now, if I can deny, if I can, if I can do all of these things in in the last days, with as far as lovers of themselves, we we just violating the covenant. We're boasters, proud. See, all of these things are all character issues that that become as a result of being unholy and unthankful, right? Without natural affection. See, see, that's what this is what's happening. There's an imbalance that's taking place in the lives of the people, and they're settling for the form. You know, you got to be a little concerned when you're a Christian and you 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 so stuck on self that you don't see you don't see the bigger picture as to what God has you here for. Who are you? Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? What do you have? Have you been given all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of Him? You know what I'm saying? And what are you doing all things through Christ? If he's your strengthening factor, if he's your strengthening See, the, that's the question that I want to ask you. 
to provoke the, the awareness of if, if your perception is being performed, reformed through power. Because, see, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. The kingdom of God is really the church in full effect. When the church becomes, takes its place in the seat of authority, then the kingdom of God can grow. That's why Jesus, when he would preach, he was confident of who he was and what he was carrying. He said, when I come to you, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of God is at hand. When I come to you, I'm preaching to you the kingdom. Why? Because he, he was seated in his throne as the church. Mm. We don't know who we are, what we carry, what we have, what we can do. And those things are preventing us to to experience seeing this 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 church. But I'm calling you into questions. Are you rethinking the church? And we're gonna deal with religiosity and and the rudiments of the world that still try to impede um our pure uh pluralistic place of revelation. But see revelation if revelation is the catalyst, it must be preserved. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And, and what the enemy loves to do with Christians is prevent them from experiencing what it means to be the church. Now, I want to give you a little nugget. Um, in Romans chapter 12, let's focus on, and of course, you know, that was the scripture that the Lord gave me. He said, you know, a lot of times people look at verses 1 through 3, but they don't. they don't really... Well, they actually, they look at one and two, but they don't read the rest of the chapter. And, of course, in chapter 13, when it says, let every soul be subject to higher powers, <laughs> he ain't talking about any other power other than himself. He ain't talking to the world about the words because it said all powers that be are ordained of God. So, of course, this is talking to the church and those whom, uh, whom God have anointed in the church with power. Behold, I've given you power. If the world had the power that God needed to implement his reality in the earth, he wouldn't empower the church. He would empower the world. So somewhere we have lost our identity and we seek power from the wrong sources. We're seeking success versus sainthood, and it's causing an insanity to take place in the church where people don't know who they are. Okay, calm down, bring it down. This is a teaching. This is commentary. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but in 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 verse <clears throat> in verse nine in chapter twelve, and I got a few minutes, but I'll be able to finish this series. I'll be able to finish this lesson today. Y'all know this lesson been so good, I ain't even been able to finish it. But I'm gonna finish it. Uh, this 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 lesson today. Um, in verse 9 through 12, and I had to give you this tidbit because I'm going to be unplugging this chapter as it relates to the church. Because I used to say, okay, well, Lord, when you gave me the topic, one of the things I wrestled with was, what does this have to do with, you know, because I know I'm dealing with what's taking place in the church. He said it has everything because it's speaking directly to the church. And then I, I realized, you know, that in verse um, you know, of course, you know, Ephesians 4, write this down as a note. You can't really understand uh, uh, Romans 12 without Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> There's the 
purpose is, you know, that God gives gifts or God releases power, special gifts to the church or to people in the church for the sake of the church. And in, in, in him giving those gifts to the church for the sake of the church, there is a there are effects and there are means by how they will operate. They will operate for the edification of the body, for the work of the ministry, and for the perfecting of the saints, okay? They ain't going to work for any other reason. The gifts are not going to work for any other reason. They're not going to be for selfish gain. They're not going to be for financial benefit. That's not the purpose. So when you see people profiting at and profiting from those gifts, thinking that that is the means to an end, you don't see, first of all, that's a prosperity is a minute uh, thing to the eyes of God because blessing is much more powerful than prosperity. See, the blessing of the Lord makes it what? It makes it rich, and it adds what? No sorrow. You can get rich and have a whole lot of sorrow. So, yeah, I'm not, I, and, and you can not, you can feel, um, if you feel the effect of that, what you prosper and proclamate, uh, proclaimers, I'm not against uh, people being prosperous, because I wish above all things that they might prosper, what, even as they were, soul prosperous, right? That's what I'm dealing with, the soul prosperity. Right now, you got people trying to be the church, and they can't even get out themselves. They're lovers of themselves. And and he says that's the sign of the last days, and the last times people will be lovers of themselves. They're in selfie world. So their soul is not prosperous. But those souls that are prosperous are those that don't conform to the ways of the world, but are transformed by the renewing of their mind. Now, in in this in this passage, and I gotta give this to you real quick, um, there are seven there are at least seven things, there are probably more. But in, in verse 9, it says, let love be without dissimulation. Love, of course, is God. God is love. Arbor that which is um, arbor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. That means abandon what it means to arbor. Be kindly affectionate one another in brotherly love. And honor, preferring what? One another. See, this got to be about the church. I know the scripture tells us to be especially kind um, to those who are in the household of faith. Some Somewhere... The church is so disconnected, you know, uh, but we got to go on for time's sake. But here's where the catalyst of the work of the ministry is revealed in verse 11. Of course, it says, um, honor preferring one another, not slothful in business. What business? This is the work of the ministry that he's talking about. Because then he lists what, what he tells you not to be slothful in the business. This is the business of the kingdom right here. It says, Listen, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So our, our business is to serve the Lord, right? Now, then it goes into it goes into listening, right? Don't it go into listening? Rejoicing in the whole brethren, patient tribulation, continuing incident prayer. That's number one. Distributing to uh, the necessity of the saints, giving to hospitality. That's number two. Bless them which persecute you. Bless them that curse not. That's number three. Rejoice in the um, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. That's number four. Um, be be of the same mind uh, to them toward um, toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend with men of lowest state. Be not wise in thy own conceit. Number um, six is recompense to no uh, man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Number seven is and um, live peacefully. With a, it says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably. Right? 
with all men, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give, um, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, said the Lord, I will repay. So he's talking to his people. Therefore, if thine enemy are hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heat the coals of fire on his head. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy that was found in Proverbs 25. Okay? Now, it says, but don't, now here we go. Verse 21. But not, but be not overcome of evil, but overcome, but overcome, but overcome evil with good. Don't you hear how we've been connecting knowledge the overcoming way? <clears throat> so I want to give you that as a plug. <clears throat> this 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 chapter here will will enable you and empower you <clears throat> as the church. <clears throat> Amen. Now, revelation is what awakens the spirit over the soul. And when we are awakened, we find out what is relevant to the truth, and we find out we um, when we are awakened by the spirit, we find out the real factor that um, that sparks the catalyst of what it means to have so much more. We say that revelation now, then number two, is what acknowledges the strategy in becoming a proof seeker. <clears throat> I would quote to the scripture since she seek proof of the Christ. See. One of the one of the the strongest forces of the kingdom of God is not a word, but in power. The one of the strongest forces that the the, uh, the first thing that Jesus gave his disciples when they went out was power. All you need is that power. Hallelujah! You know that's why we preach the Holy Ghost so strong in the sanctified church because we know the power, the advantages of the power of God. All you need is power. All you need is power. But see, a lot of the people are not experiencing power because of their perception. Now, and, and I don't want you to think that power is just that second that people tell you, lift your hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he's going to behind about that's, that's not power. That's reaction to power. <laughs> that's reaction to power. But, but God wants you to have power. Hallelujah. All right. So, Revelation is what acknowledges the strategy to become a proof seeker. Now, proof seekers are set to, to transformation through the mind renewal. That's what we've been talking about. Proof seekers are set up to transformation through mind renewal. Now, the Holy Spirit brought my back to my attention. Uh, what he gave me when I was teaching on transformation a few years back. And he told me this in a, in, a, in a time of prayer, that unless we have some factors in our life, we won't have a stability in our confidence to continue uh, approaching him. And this is the confidence that we have when we approach him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us and you know we know he gives us the petition which we ask for because we've had we've had these factors take place in our life. This is the confidence that we have in him. 
And we, we know that some things cannot be grasped until we're in him or engaged into. So some things are not awakened until you're engaged. All right? So unless there's an enlightenment or an encounter with the power of God, enlightenment of mind, experience with the Holy Spirit, an exit from the worldly ambition and embrace of sovereign authority, you will never, and I mean never, understand the power of proof that we have. All right. See, when Jesus walked on the earth, and I'm closing here. I'm going to close actually in Ephesians. Tell me Ephesians chapter 3. Amen. Um, but when Jesus walked on the earth and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's in, he's in, he's, and they knew anointing because they experienced the ceremonial effect of anointing with oil, the Jewish culture did. Um, but he said things that would take place in his ministry that would then become the, the motivation behind the ministry. He said that there would be preaching, healing, deliverance, recovery, and liberty. Those five forces uh, were, were given to the world so that they would become the church. He also let us know that once people came in contact with him, that he would be preaching the kingdom of God and the year of the Lord, meaning that it would come in their time. They would see this in time. It was never uh, God's intent for people not to have proof for what he revealed to them. Look at Abraham. Abraham, you know, messed up, tried to, you know, sleep with um had a worldly child. Yeah, he produced, but that wasn't the way God wanted him to produce. Hagar. But God wanted to re reproduce after his kind through the wife he was covenant with, amen, called Sarah, Sarah, mother of many nations. So God would anoint him and his wife to reproduce, and he took them to the, to the sand, uh, to the beach, where he saw the sand in the sea and said, so shall your nation be. I don't have time to finish this. But God always provides proof. God always provides proof through the transformation of the mind. He, he awakens your mind, and then he provides proof through experience. Because once a person experiences that type of power, they will never be denied. Thirdly, revelation is what advances the saints to embody the reality of the church because they are the church. Now let's conclude in Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 10. Chapter 3, verses 10. To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal power which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith, by the faith of him. Where I desire that ye might not faint in tribulations for you, which is your glory. Amen. I'm out of time. we got to stop. We'll be back in the next lesson continuing this teaching. Amen.
there's a lot more to it. Um, and I would give commentary, but I wouldn't have time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today.